everybody, welcome back to another edition of Two Strike Noise. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Paulson. In Seattle this week is uh, my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Hey, uh, doing great. I got this this cool new massage chair over here. It barely fits in the studio, but uh, it's super comfortable. Yeah, the, the, the Bay Area studio is just a folding chair and a, and a card table, so I'm a little jealous. Yeah, we didn't quite have the budget. You know, we're hoping next year. That things will be a little different. The fiscal when the fiscal year turns, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see the profit. Yeah, yeah, I guarantee it. So uh, this is two strike noise. We are a baseball history podcast. Uh, I do like to throw it out to you every episode, Mark. In case you change your mind in the direction of this podcast, I'm going to give you uh, a choice here as to what you would like to talk about today. We can, of course, uh, continue on with the baseball history theme that uh, I think we are 30 plus episodes deep in now, or we could throw everybody a curve and present an in-depth preview of the Mid-American Conference football schedule. What do you think? Man, you know, I I was I would totally jump at the chance for the football schedule, but I just listened to another podcast that did that very thing. So uh, I feel like I would be repeating someone else's ideas. So let's just go baseball history. What do you say? I, I do love to talk about the Mac as well, but okay. It's, it's a good thing because... Last week, we started a, a highly acclaimed, uh, what looks like it's now going to be a trilogy on uh, <laughs> current current Major League Baseball managers and coaches and their playing career numbers. And we're going to continue that this week. Uh, we're going to look at the American League and National League Central. So that should be exciting. But before we do that, we like to start off every show with a segment we call BP batting practice that's if you're in the know you call it bp but that's right sometimes we get we get people that don't know baseball a whole lot so like to expand those minds that's right i've got a couple of different things that i've found today and you have got some triple play information i know i have a your, your homework i have a lot of triple play information this 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 information could be split over three shows it's triple. we could just do a a triple put maybe we should do a trilogy on triple plays or just get it out of the way it's one or the other <laughs> if that's my choose your own adventure i choose we just get it out of the way in this show <laughs> okay we can do that <laughs> uh let me i got one story first that i wanted to share with you uh, kind of timely actually two two timely ones and we'll do your triple play okay uh, research so first of all uh, josh donaldson you remember josh donaldson of course actually came up with the cubs Traded here to the A's, had some great seasons here, and then really talked his way out of uh, out of town here uh, to Toronto. And now he is bounced around, and he's ended up with the Braves this year. Really cool thing, funny thing happened last week. So Josh Donaldson is in New York at uh, City Field with the Braves. They're playing the Mets, obviously. I don't know what else they'd be doing in City Field. So Donaldson is on the on deck circle. And he's got his bat there, and there's a, a young girl sitting in the front row there. And so Josh Donaldson sparks up a little conversation with her. And as he's going to the plate, he kind of puts the bat up against the net there and asks asks her to touch it for good luck. The, the little girl says, "No, I'll touch it for bad luck, though." <laughs> and you know, they kind of kind of joke and you know laugh. And Donaldson walks up, knocks a monster home run with the bat. Oh my! <laughs> in that at that. So in between innings, he goes into the dugout and he gets another bat and he autographs it and signs it and gives it to her. And it says, to my biggest fan. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I love about baseball. That's you great. don't get that in other sports. No, that's great stuff right there. That's awesome. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Shane Bieber, the pitcher for Cleveland, and uh, how somebody done and messed up his baseball card this year and accidentally called him Justin Bieber on the back. Well, uh, Justin Bieber, of course, the Canadian pop star. Well, the two appear to have uh, struck up a friendship over this. So uh, the singer, Justin, has been seen recently wearing a custom Cleveland Indians jersey, apparently given to him by Shane, with the Players Weekend-esque name on the back that says, Not Shane Bieber. <laughs> so... Shane, for the past two years on we on, on Players Weekends, has worn not Justin on the back of his jersey. So, <laughs> a clever play there. So, Justin Bieber has been criticized by some because he will basically put on any jersey that's handed to him. And it's usually of a team that's doing well. Like, you know, if it's basketball, 
he'll be wearing a Warriors jersey now. If it's football, he's wearing a Patriots jersey. You know, he just kind of whatever whatever team is doing well, he'll be wearing that. So he tweeted out a couple of years ago, I support all sports. I'll put any jersey from any pro team on. If I'm whack for wearing jerseys they give me out of love, then I'm whack. Yeah, he's whack. Whack. Didn't whack go out when Whitney Houston, RIP, said crack is whack like yeah, a decade well, ago? Don't we do a, a like a whack pack heroes thing on this show? <laughs> no, but Wax that's you just re, you just renamed it Johnny Washington. You've just renamed it. <laughs> it's me, baby. <laughs> See, that was a throwback to last week. If you didn't listen to last week, you're, right. you're lost now. So go back. I've and been Johnny Washington for a week now. But that yeah. was kind of uh, kind of funny. I, I I like the Shane Bieber part of this. The uh, the Justin Bieber whackness is not really my favorite part. Just so Shane isn't whack, we're all good. No, I don't I don't think he's whack. I don't either. So last week we were talking about Brooks Robinson. And how many triple plays he'd hit into, which is the most in Major League history. And then you brought up, of course, Gary Gaetti, the rat, yes. and how he used to just hug that line with runners on base looking to turn those triple plays. And I gave you a little bit of homework. Yes. And you have got something to report on triple plays. I've got, there's a lot of information on triple plays out there, you know, and, and, and but not specifically what I was looking for was who started the most triple plays. And I mean that on defense who turned the most triple plays, because I swear Gaetti, it was once a month and doing my research, not quite once a month. However, little, little off the average um, defensive player turns zero triple plays over the course of his career. Gary Gaetti started seven. Okay. Wow. So that's camping on that line. He loved that triple play. And now including get this, Two in one game against the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. That's unheard of. It, it's only been done once. Two triple plays. The, the closest anyone ever got to it was in uh, 1908. There was two triple plays in consecutive games. But Gaetti turned two triple plays against Boston at Fenway, July 17th, 1990. All kinds of cool stuff going on. I just wanted to let you know, when you go to a ball game, there is a one in 325 chance that you will see a triple play happen. Really? That seems, I would have thought it would have been higher than that. Yeah. Much like, much rarer. I I, I would too. And and so I, I, just to put it along with some other uh, oddities uh, among the game of baseball, um, there's a one in 702 chance you'll see a batter hit for the cycle. So really? Yeah. A much better chance of, of seeing a triple play. I I find that hard to believe. This one, this one goes along with you and I and the perfect, the perfect game uh, issues that that we have having been to like 17 perfect games. Okay. Not that many, but a bunch. It's the chance to witness a perfect game is one in 10,287 games. Jeez. And, and we've each been to two. That's right. And they've two. I've been to two and you've been to two completely different. Right. Games. We've been to four perfect games between the two of us. <laughs> Can we trade that in for a lottery win instead? I, I would do it in a heartbeat. I mean, I love my uh, perfect games and all, but uh, I'll take the lottery ticket. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? I came that across is, that. But did you is there? Did you find one for no hitters? Because I yes. have still yet to be at a at a no hitter. Yes, one in eight hundred and six chance. Oh, so that's like almost flipping a coin, and you're going to end up at one, and I can't get to it. Right. Yeah, you got to go to eight hundred and six games next year, and then you're guaranteed. <laughs> um, there, here, here's a good one. Um, unassisted triple plays. There have only been fifteen. Ever. Yeah, and that's the rarest of all plays in baseball. And there is a one in twelve thousand four hundred ninety-two chance that you're going to see an unassisted triple play. I have seen one. Not I saw it on TV. I did not see it in person, but right. I did see one. Well, I, I I've only seen the replay on TV, so I've yeah. I've never watched one live or anything like. There have been seven hundred nineteen triple plays in Major League Baseball history. That's total. Only fifteen of them were unassisted. And uh, there's all kinds of weird little triple plays that have happened. I, I found this one a little bit of a Seattle reference. April 14, 2002, in his only major league game, Seattle's Ron Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. He had three ABs, and in the second inning, he struck out. And then the second at bat, in the fourth inning, he hit into the old one six two five one four triple play. 
standard, pretty boilerplate right. triple play. Right. And then in the sixth inning, he came up again and hit into a double play. So he went 0 for 3 with responsibility of six outs and quite possibly what I might call the worst ever major league career. This <laughs> is war. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I think it's, can you have like a war that's like uh, oh, you can have an exponential? <laughs> Just negative infinity? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty bad, man. Well, why don't you look that up? Because while well, I tell you, I got a couple of triple play trivia pieces here. And, and it should be noted that both Mark and I uh, found a lot of this stuff on on the saber.org. Uh, they've got a triple play database, which is just, they've got a spreadsheet in there that you can play around with. That is, I spent about an hour the other day just playing around with it. Sure. So these are a couple of things I found. The hidden ball trick has twice been used to turn a triple play. I do not know how. Wow, yeah. Because with the, with the hidden ball trick, do the, generally the ball's not in you know, nobody is batting it. Somebody is holding it and kind of keeping it so that the runner, a runner typically can't see it. There were two triple play, uh, two triple plays listed having been started with the hidden ball trick. Funny. So going to have to do a little bit more research into that. Um, eight times the pitcher has faced only one batter and recorded a triple play. So that means eight times a pitcher has come into the ball game with either two runners on or the bases loaded only faced one batter and recorded three outs. Yes. And a couple but, times that happened on one pitch. Yep. Yep. Uh, 20 times a triple play has been turned on the third batter of the game. Oh, wow. So that means that both the first and the second batter reach base somehow, and that third batter hits into a triple play. <laughs> That's the, the antithesis of clutch right there. We're starting <laughs> off the game well. We got our first two runners on, and let's go. And then this was my favorite, the one and only quadruple play. Yes. Uh, of course, only the first three outs were counted. But in 1903, in the sixth inning, the New York Giants versus the St. Louis Cardinals, they turned to triple play and just kept throwing the ball around. <laughs> Why not? Yes. Uh, your question on Ron Wright's uh, career war. He didn't yeah. play enough to have much of a career war, so it's only negative 0.1. However, oh. I would like to point out that he was on pace to have 486 at-bats and hit into 162 double plays, 162 <laughs> triple plays, and 162 strikeouts during the season. So not, not so good. Very sustainable. Yeah. I think that, that's probably a very good prediction <laughs> of what would have happened. How many headlines uh, said right is wrong in Major League debut yeah. the next day? Uh, too easy, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's plenty. Uh, that's some good good triple play stuff. I will put a link to that uh, Sabre triple plays uh, yeah. spreadsheet in the show notes. That is fun to go play around in. Very They've got a lot of links there to some other things, so you can do a little bit more in-depth research on that stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Fun stuff. That was a good homework assignment, Jeff. I appreciated that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I will give you flying. Since we didn't have kangaroo court this this week, and I didn't have to fine you, I'm going to give you an A plus. Yes. On that. Oh, rock and roll, man! I got a chance to pass again. This is good. All right, so now let's move on to our debut segment. So this podcast is premiering on September 3rd. So I have got a ton of debuts today, and I attribute that to because. The beginning of September, of course, means September call-ups. Rosters expand. This might be the last year that they expand, but for quite some time they've expanded it, uh, in September to 40 players. So a lot of guys come up and get their their first, you know, into their first games around this time. Uh, I got a couple of names here that aren't going to mean anything, but just they kind of go on the all-name list of some guys that have been uh, that made their debut today. Uh, Wish Egan, Lefty LaField, Chick Brandom, Stuffy Stewart, Happy Foreman, and Skinny Graham. Oh, man. Some of my favorites. Uh, uh, Gilligan's Island characters, I believe. <laughs> you don't get enough guys named or nicknamed Chick anymore. No, not a lot of Chick. Chick Gandal is one I can think of. Chick Hearn. Chick Hearn. There you go. He's a, I think that was basketball, though, wasn't it? Celtics or something? I thought it was like a candy bar. I don't know. I'm lost, obviously. Chick Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. 
so let's get to the actual uh, people that I wanted to touch on today that debuted. Uh, 1966, Rick Monday debuted with the uh, Kansas City Athletics. Of course, Monday is best known for stopping an American flag from being burnt in, in protest in 1976 at Dodger Stadium. Yep. But uh, Rick Monday had a really good career. Uh, career OPS plus of 125. Career war of 33.1. And he was a member of the 1981 World Series Dodgers team. That's right. I remember Rick Monday as a Dodger uh, when I was a kid. Yep. And um, he would be on Saturday night games where they always show the Dodgers or Saturday day games. They always show the Dodgers games, you know. And uh, I swear the man just had a flair for he loved to hit a home run when the camera was on. It, 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 he was a lot of fun to watch. Good ball player. Doesn't get brought up enough. Yeah, he gets brought up every year on uh, on the anniversary of that of that flag. But yeah, not you don't hear as much about him, but he was a great player. He really was. Also debuting in 1971, one of Rick Monday's teammates, Ron Say, the Penguin. <laughs> yes, you bring up. Uh, now this is this is very personal. Ron Say and I graduated yeah. from the same high school. Oh well, Ron Say and I graduated from the same college. Seriously? So okay, that's right. Uh, he went to a, a high school that we call amount to nothing, but it's actually called Mount Tahoma. Well, he amounted to something. He did, but that makes one of us. You see what I'm saying? Well, you cancel him out. So. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. At least I don't waddle. But yes, Ron Say, Mount Tahoma High School. You betcha. And, and I can't speak. I don't know that he graduated. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he graduated from Washington State University. There you go. There you go. But uh, he debuted for the Dodgers on this day in 1971. He played in L.A. for 12 years. He likewise was a member of that 1981 World Series team. He was actually the World Series MVP in 1981. There you go. Had a great series. Finished with a career 53.8 war and a 121 OPS plus. Wow. Here's uh, one that we've talked about many times on our show. 1977, Randy Bass made his major league debut for the Minnesota Twins. Right on. Played only six years in the majors, but of course is most famous for his time as a Hanshin Tiger. We have talked at nauseum about uh, his time there but it's been great the the curse of the colonel which we know is is a little bit of a stretch we've we, had guests on and we had it we had it we had it wrong uh but we, we have since corrected did. it please feel free to go back that was a lot of fun we had trevor from the hunching tiger english news on and he explained to us how there wasn't really a curse because the colonel went in the river and they still won that year That's so right. Uh, but Randy Bass, uh, we've talked about him before the show, too, about uh, his uh, political, uh, you know, health political offices. Yeah. 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 All right. Next, in 1981, another guy we've mentioned many times on this show, Jesse Barfield, made his uh, yeah. debut for the Toronto Blue Jays. He played 12 years for the Blue Jays and the Yankees, finished with a 117 OPS plus and a 39.4 war. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that his his war was pretty high. From what I was expecting, he was he was a really good ball player all around. Nineteen eighty eight, Gary Sheffield came up with the Milwaukee Brewers as a shortstop. If you will remember, mm -hmm. he sure was. <laughs> he played twenty two years. He hung around for a long wow. time. I did not know he had he played that long. I mean, I remember yeah, I he was either. a big up and coming rookie, and you know had a lot of pop, a lot of power, could, you know, real athletic and, and stuff like that. But man, I didn't know he played that long of a career. Yeah, he was around for a good, good minute. One forty OPS plus, sixty point five WAR. He hit five hundred nine career home runs, wow. stole two hundred and fifty three bases, had uh, two thousand six hundred ninety eight hits. He was a member of the 97 Marlins World Series team. He won the National League batting title in 1992. And is he a Hall of Famer? I don't believe so. He's he, he's not. But I mean, I'm asking you, do you do you think? I, I don't know if his name is batted about with the steroid era or not. Yeah. I'm, I don't know that I have heard it, but I, I don't really keep my ear to the ground on that one. It's just that whole era. You know, I can't, obviously we can't point fingers at at him specifically, or, but somebody apparently does <laughs> because he's he's not in the hall, and he's certainly got some some top five hundred career home runs is pretty impressive. Yeah, that used to that used to punch your ticket five hundred plus home runs, and you're in. 
but he's been on the ballot for a couple of years now. Yeah, it says here um, in his fifth year, he received only 11% of the vote, and that was in 2018. 1989. I, there's a little bit of a theme here. John Olerud makes his debut for Toronto. Our one. second Washington State Cougar right. making their debut. Uh, John Olerud finished with a 129 OPS+. plus. He won the American League Batting Championship in 1993. Finished with 255 home runs, a 58.2 war. So that's his war, even though he played a lot less, was just barely less than Gary Sheffield's. Yeah. And he won two World Series with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. I used to love watching that man play baseball. He did it all well. Did everything good. All right. So that'll wrap up our BP segment. Uh, We're going to get right into, as I said, the second part to our critically acclaimed segment on current major league coaches and managers and their playing numbers when they were players yes okay this week we are going to start in the central division we're going to do both the american league and national league last week i did the american league this week we're going to switch i am going to start let's start with the chicago cubs we're just going in alphabetical order of course, uh, everybody knows Joe Madden is the manager. Everybody also knows that Joe Madden never played in the big leagues. Tommy Hatovi, I don't even know how you say that. I've never heard of this guy. He is the pitching coach for the Cubs. We're probably going to get emails about that. Not much of a career. He only played two years in the majors. Didn't do much. Anthony Iaposi? What? How, how does Joe Madden pick these guys? Is he just like, <laughs> who has the hardest name to pronounce? That's it. Yes. Well, Anthony did not uh, play in the major leagues. The first base coach is Will Venable. I remember that mm-hmm. name from the Padres yep. mainly. He played nine years. He had a decent career, a .719 OPS and a 12 and a half war. I would have never guessed that from Will Venable. Brian Butterfield is the third base coach. I know that name, but he never played in the major leagues. And then what we do is we take one wild card Anybody on the coaching staff that we can throw in there that'll help anybody's numbers. So for the Cubs, I took their bench coach, Mark Loretta. Loretta, I remember mainly as a brewer. He also played for the Astros, the Padres, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers, apparently. He played for 15 years, and he finished with a 19.4 war. So just taking an overview here of the Cubs... Two players really carried their whole team, and that's Will Venable and Mark Loretta. They finished with a combined 31.9 war. So Joe Madden kind of molding the coaching staff after his uh, kind of his path is not a, a guy that didn't really play a whole lot in the majors. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, they got, they got a few guys on there might be able to pull off a win now and then. But uh, yeah. I think they've done okay for themselves. That's right. They've done all right. This is true. Well, how about the White Sox? Rick Renteria, five years, 184 games. He had a lifetime war of negative one half. So, you know, it's it kind of tough to, to peg him on anything but uh, pretty average. Yep. Hitting coach uh, Todd Steverson, he had a couple years in the big leagues. Is, uh, he had a 729 ops, tolerable, a negative .3 war. But they're uh, – well, they had, Don Cooper is their pitching coach, and he – you know, if we're going for average ball players, he really fits in very well with his negative 0.3 war. So all the wars have been right <laughs> around zero. And uh, they all get along. They can all com- compare their careers right. very favorably. The, the absolute productive pl- uh, coach, though, on the team is Daryl Boston. The first Carrying the team. Yeah, 11 years, a 4.3 war. You know, he had 83 career home runs. And, of course, with the name Boston, he never played in Boston. He played for the Yankees and Colorado and, and the Mets. So he played for two New York teams and not in Boston. But, it, it, you know, maybe he played in a city named Daryl. I don't know. I'm losing my thought process here. Little Nicky Capra, as we used to call him in the minor leagues. Nick Capra, third base coach uh, with a negative .1 career war over five years. How do you even pull that off? That's amazing. Five years to be that average. To be a negative .1. And that OPS, career OPS of .503. I mean, you're not getting on base or hitting for power. Yeah. He stuck around, though. He played 45 games, you know, over the course of his his short career. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Joe McEwing, the bench coach. He's your wild card. Super Joe. Super Joe. Um, I remember Joe as an Astro. Um, 
I'm a point. I remember he came up. With, at least it's. Yeah, I remember he came up with the Cardinals. He That's did, where yes. I remember him. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he had a, a war of zero point eight, so only the second positive war on the White Sox coaching staff. So you know, a very very average uh, as as ball players, the coaching staff for the White Sox, better coaches than they were ball players, I would think. Uh, all right, my turn. Let's go to the Reds. Can you name me the Reds manager off the top of your head? Um, no. I can tell you it ain't Pete Rose. <laughs> David Bell That's is right. the manager, yes. carrying on the Bell tradition yes. of being a player and a manager. So David Bell, now there are a lot of collective years for this Reds uh, coaching staff. So David Bell played for 12 years. He played in 1,403 games. Wow. Career OPS of 716 and a 15.3 war. I remember Bell mainly for, I think, I must be getting him confused with a brother at Cincinnati, but he never played for Cincinnati. Played mainly for Cleveland, St. Louis, San Francisco, Seattle, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. He kind of made the tour around the the majors. He, he was a, he was a pretty good ball player, in my opinion. I think yeah. his defense was pretty solid, and and he could hit a little bit, and a little power. One hundred twenty three career home runs, but a fifteen point three WAR, not bad at yeah. all. Hitting coach Turner Ward. I remember Turner Ward. Turner Ward had uh, actually he actually sold his number twenty four to Ricky Henderson when Ricky was traded to the uh, to the Blue Jays. <laughs> uh, Turner Ward did spend twelve years in the major leagues, though he played again for Cleveland. This sounds very familiar. Sounds just like David Bell. Cleveland, Toronto, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Arizona, and Philadelphia. Yeah. So he went everywhere. Had a pretty good average career, but to play 12 years in the major leagues, is I would give my left arm to do that. Have to be a right-handed pitcher then. But uh, a career war of 4.4. Derek Johnson's their pitching coach, did not appear in the major leagues. First base coach is Delino DeShields. There you go. So Delino is uh, a name that's probably familiar to most baseball fans. And I think he had a son that's been playing recently yeah I'm not sure if he's still in the major heard rumors about that guy 13 years for delino in the big leagues uh, 80 home runs but he wasn't really a power guy 729 ops 24.4 career war and 463 career stolen bases oh, that's what i remember delino for yeah yep. so delino played for montreal is where i remember him coming yeah, me up me too mostly also played for the Dodgers, Cardinals, Orioles, and Cubs. The third base coach for the Reds, I have never heard of. J.R. House. Apparently, he played for five years. Pretty average. A minus .4 war. Uh, mainly a National League guy. And then the wild card. Not a whole lot to choose from from the Reds. I went with Freddie Benavides, the bench coach. Freddie played for four years. Pretty much right along lines of a J.R. House. Finished with a... Minus 0.7 war, played for the Reds, the Expos, and the Rockies. So between David Bell and Delano DeShields, they really carry this coaching staff with yeah. a 43 total war overall Not for bad. the staff and 249 home runs. By the way, how fun is it to say, Freddie Benavides. Freddie Benavides. This rolls off the tongue. That's a good That's choice it. just for the name quality. Uh, how about how about the Indians? Did you did you know Terry Francona was a, was a ball player? I did. I kn- I even know where he played college ball. Oh wow! See now that it is, is it is not Washington State, but it is Arizona State. There you go. He played for ten years in the big leagues, over seven hundred games, and his career WAR was negative three. Terry so, again, right there around that uh, that bullseye zero spot. Um, hitting coach Ty Van Berkleyo. He, uh, two years in the big leagues, a long time in the minor leagues, I have to say, uh, just because I was around the minors for a long time. I remember him being around almost the whole time I was there and, uh, a lifetime war of a positive 0.1. So there you go. Ty Van Berkeley, a positive influence in his career on the teams he played for. Their pitching coach is Carl Willis on the Indians. Carl Willis did uh, nine years, 267 games. And had a lifetime war of 1.8, so another positive. But the guy that really sets uh, the staff apart is Sandy Alomar, their first base coach, of course. Or have I, I have typed out there, Sand Alomar. Or Sand Alomar. <laughs> Whichever one works. Alomar, yes. Yeah, 20 years, 20 years in the big league, Sandy Alomar. And, uh, wow. Yeah, 
almost 1,400 career games, and he was Rookie of the Year in 1990. Uh, personal story, signed every card I stuck near him. Uh, it, you couldn't walk by without him grabbing a card out of your hand and signing it. Neatest guy. Just a Sometimes he would just stop you and sign your forehead. He or would. He just signed. It would be any. like, he's got a pen, you know. Um, great guy and, and, a, and an awesome ball player too. So uh, Sandy Alomar with a 13.7 career war. Third base coach Mike Sarbaugh never played in the big leagues. I'm assuming it's Sarbaugh. Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. And uh, the wild card, Scott Atchison, bullpen coach. Scott Atchison, uh, I remember uh, as a Mariner, but uh, don't remember a whole lot more than just that aspect of it with a lifetime 3.6 war. So, you know, tolerable. Yeah, not bad. You can you combine. Uh, we've had so few pitchers that are now coaches that have anything positive, and they've got two on this staff. Right. So That's they exactly actually right. combine that with the the offense, and you get almost uh, you get a sixteen point two combined war. Which not bad. As we, as we're going through these teams, that's not bad, right? All right, let's jump back up to the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers. Craig Council, the manager. Now, Council played 16 years, and that does not surprise me. He played a he played a lot of middle infield, played for the Rockies. I guess I think he came up with the Rockies. Played with the Marlins, the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and of course finished his career with Milwaukee. Uh, over those 16 years, hit 42 home runs and finished with a 22.4 war. Andy Haynes is the hitting coach. He did not appear in the major leagues. Chris Hook, the pitching coach, he uh, only played two years, finished with a 5-2 and two record, 5.89 ERA, which brought him to a minus 1.2 war. He played for the Giants in those two years. The first base and third base coach for the Brewers never appeared in the major leagues. That's Carlos Subero and Ed Sidar. And the wild card for the Brewers is Steve Carse, somebody that I am uh, familiar with uh, coming up as an A's fan. I, I believe he came up kind of right after uh, Todd Van Poppel, a year or yeah. two after Van Van Poppel. And they thought, OK, this is good. This is going to be the guy that's going to be the real dominant ace since Van Poppel never, yeah. never really, you know, became what he was expected. Carse had a good, good career, 11 seasons he spent in the majors. Finished with 32 and 39 record, a 4.01 ERA, and 11.1 war. He uh, came up, like I said, with Oakland, played for the Indians, the Braves, the Yankees, and the Rangers. Carse, I remember having a, a like a 90 score rookie card that I was I would collect because I was into the A's back then, you know. So really, two players. They only had three play. They only have three players on their coaching staff that appeared in the majors. Uh, between Craig Council and Steve Carse, though, that is a thirty-four point three career WAR, which is not bad. Wow! Yeah, that's impressive. Detroit Tigers. Everybody's been waiting for this one. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, <laughs> clamoring. Uh, Ron Gardenhire, the manager of the Tigers, um, had a career point eight WAR in in his five years of playing big league ball for the Mets have no recollection of his career whatsoever but i don't uh, either i yeah. don't either which isn't saying you know neither of us lived in new york but uh you know such is life hitting coach lloyd mcclendon good ball player lifetime it's his career war is negative 0.6 i remember him being a better player than that but then again my memory is not the greatest eight years in the big leagues for lloyd mcclendon good hitting coach also a, in my opinion a good manager so i tweeted out Last week, it was the anniversary. Lloyd McClendon led his Little League team to the Little League World Series. Oh, wow. And uh, they actually won the Little League World Series. And he was a force. So coming into the final game, he had already hit four home runs in the tournament. And the his first at-bat, he smacked another home run for his fifth home run. And they just intentionally walked him the rest of the game. Wow. And I, there's a picture I posted it on Twitter of him hitting it. One thing that was I was discussing uh, on Twitter was this was before aluminum bats. So he did that with a wood bat. Wow. And uh, it was impressive. Lloyd McClendon, a really, uh, really accomplished Little League player as well. So Lloyd McClendon's been good at what he does in baseball for a long, long time is what we're trying to say. 
And he, you know, not quite on the Lou Pinella, Billy Martin scale of getting ejected from games, but Lloyd McClendon will steal you a bag as a manager and take it with him to the dugout. Uh, he, he, he'd let you know if he wasn't fond of your call or if he respectfully disagreed. Sure. Rick Anderson is their pitching coach on the Tigers. Three years, uh, 28 games, but he went four and four career with a war of 0.3. So sitting right around that zero mark again, you know. Now, here is the pride of the Tigers coaching staff, Ramon Santiago, their first base coach, with a 7.6 career war. In 13 years in the majors. In 13 years. Ramon Santiago, wow. A career 30 home runs, though. That's 30 more than I have. So, you know. Actually, 31 more than I have. (laughs) Very impressive. Their third base coach in Detroit is Dave Clark, who played for quite a while, 13 seasons, over 900 games. Amassed a war of uh, 0.3. So sitting right there around that, uh, right around where we keep landing for some reason. These coaches, uh, Phil Clark, the assistant hitting coach, is the wild card here. Five years in the big leagues and a 0.7 war playing for Detroit, San Diego, and Boston. I just wanted to say Dave Clark, by the way, uh, played for Cleveland, Chicago, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, L.A., Cincinnati, and Houston. He got to see a lot of cool different cities through his A lot career. of the country. Yeah. So I so looking at the combined war here for the Tigers, it is a 9.1. I think the what we're learning here is that in most cases, those who can't do teach really applies to, to the major league. Yes, it does. All right. So let's go up to the National League. Our next team is the Pittsburgh Pirates. And... Uh, Leading the charge here for the Pirates is manager Clint Hurdle, who I have found most people hate. Yes. Not, not not somebody that a lot of fans like. Clint Hurdle did play for 10 years, though, in the major leagues. He hit 32 home runs, has a .745 career OPS and a 2.8 war. He played, uh, came up with the Royals, played for the Reds, Mets, and Cardinals. He has got a hitting coach and a pitching coach who neither, or no, I'm sorry, their hitting coach, Rick Eckstein, did not play in the majors. Ray Searage is his pitching coach, and Ray actually played for seven years in the big leagues, uh, 11 and 13 with 11 saves, a career ERA of 3.50, not bad, and a career war of 4.5, so a rarity there with a positive war for a pitcher. Camara Barty is the first base coach. Do you remember Camara? I am drawing a blank on that. I remember that name. I don't remember. I remember him in Detroit, but apparently also played for Cincinnati and Colorado. He played for six years. Pretty average. 0.5 war. Joey Cora is their third base coach. That's a name I know you're going to know well. Oh, yeah. He played for 11 years, uh, finished with a 7.9 war, a 717 OPS. And, and he is brother to Alex Cora, correct? Correct, yes. And then finally, my wild card for the Pirates is bench coach Tom Prince. I remember Tom Prince very well. I think he he was the backup catcher to Spanky Mike Lavalier. That's right. Tom Prince, a pretty decent hitter, if I remember. So Tom Prince played for 17 years. Wow. I'm going to guess most of those he was a backup. Yeah. Catcher, just one of those solid backup catchers. Ended up with 24 career home runs and a .8 war. I mean, that's saying something. If yeah. you can play for 17 years with a war of .8, that's that's impressive. You you stuck around. You've, you've made yourself valuable. <laughs> yeah. So looking at the combined totals here for the Pirates, 51 years of Major League playing experience and a 16.5 career war. Wow. Uh, between everybody. Not so, bad. Not, not, a, not a bad staff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to the uh, the Kansas City Royals and their manager, uh, Ned Yost, who played for six years and uh, amassed a negative 3.7 war. So Now, that is equally as impressive to play for seven years and have a war like that. Yeah. He pulled it off, Ned Yost. I mean, one of a kind, you know. The hitting coach is Terry Bradshaw. That's what I wrote. <laughs> Must be true. <laughs> and Terry Bradshaw, of course, uh, threw a lot of touchdown passes and uh, played also for the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball and had a, a lifetime. He played for two years, 34 total games, and had a lifetime war 
of .1, hitting a total of zero career home runs. So much better quarterback. I'm checking it, but I'm I'm fairly certain that that is who their actual batting coach, what his name is. The savior, though, of the Royals coaching staff, Cal Eldred. The legendary Cal Eldred, 14 years in the big leagues. Uh, he struck out almost 1,000 players uh, over the course of his career. A lifetime war of 16.2 to the positive. You got to wow. give Cal Eldred some credit there. That's that's pretty solid, man, because I don't think he played on a lot of front-running teams. So he was definitely valuable wherever he, he found himself between Milwaukee. I remember him on the Brewers, yeah, yeah. and they were not good. Yeah, and he was a valuable player to where, wherever he found himself, it looks like. First base coach Mitch Meyer, six years in the big leagues, didn't really do anything. 1.5 war. It could have been worse. 10 career home runs. You know, that's fun. You get to trot around the bases for the Royals for a bit. He stuck around. Um, and then I, I see you put third base coach uh, Mike Jershell. Jershell? Jershell in here. Uh, nice name. Just trying to throw me off. Uh, never played in the big leagues. And, of course, wild card, their bench coach, Dale Swaim, who's going to be a manager in the big league someday. Uh, he was. I think he didn't. He manage the Cubs yes, for a, he will a be hot again. He's 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 solid. He, he I remember him coming up through uh, the minors a couple of times. He found himself, you know, and the minors came back up. Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Philly, Oakland, New York, Seattle, the White Sox. I should have just said everybody. That would have been all encompassing. <laughs> but the uh, the Royals, uh, the as far as the everyday players, a negative four point five combined WAR. Cal Eldred steps in and saves their rear ends, though, with his 16.2. Jeez, he really did. He is really the only one that had anything of a, of a major league career, wasn't he? That's it. Yep. All right, so let's bounce up to the final member of the National League Central, the St. Louis Cardinals. And I could not have told you who their manager was for all the, the money in the world. I would have. I still, uh, Mike Schilt. Yes. And I know that name because I, I know the Cardinals came and played the A's, but that is really the only way that I would have <laughs> ever known that. He did not appear in the major leagues at all, nor did his uh, hitting coach, Jeff Albert. Oh, by the way, I did confirm Terry Bradshaw is the, uh, is the batting coach for the, uh, for the Royals. Terry Bradshaw, he's, he can do it all. He's an actor too, you know. Mike Maddox, pitching coach for the Cardinals. Boy, Mike Maddox has really made his way around a very highly respected uh, pitching coach, of course, the brother of Greg Maddox, Hall of Famer. Mike didn't have that bad of a career himself. He stuck around for 15 years, finished with a career mark of 39 and 37, 20 saves, 405 career ERA, and an even six war on the positive. That's not bad. And I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, do what you say. It might be easier to name teams he didn't play for than all the teams he did play sure. for. Uh, but, uh, you know, he stuck around 15 years and, uh, he was a, a spot starter reliever, um, you know, pretty solid player. He was always someone you wouldn't mind having on your team. Yeah. Now I'm already smiling, looking at the name of their first base coach. Now taking the field, the first base coach, Stubby Clap. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Stubby Clap. That's a real Sounds name, like right? so that is a that is not a STD from World War One. That's what it sounded that like to me, man. Real name Stubby Clap did play for one year in the major leagues, twenty three games. He had five hits and a minus .1 WAR for the Cardinals. Ron Warner, third base coach, did not appear in the major leagues, and this is carrying the team. And, and there were a couple of guys to choose from, but you know that we would have known. But this is easily the the best name is Willie McGee, the assistant uh, hitting coach. There you go. Gotta love Willie McGee. Willie McGee, the alien. He looked like he he, well, he looked like an alien. <laughs> 18 years in the big leagues, 2,254 career hits, 79 home runs. That's high. I would have not thought he hit that many. And I'm, I bet the handful of those were inside the park home runs. Yeah. 34.2 uh, career war, which is great. Wow. He stole 352 bases career-wise, and I remember the A's traded for him. Uh, it was it wasn't at the deadline in September. It was probably July or August. They traded for him, and I believe it was 1990. And he at the time was leading the National League in batting average, and then he came over and smoked the American League. And there was talk that you know if he had enough 
at bats, he could have won the batting title right. in both leagues. Right. But he really saves this team. So you combined his war with the Mike Maddox, and for a total, they are at 40.1 war. That's that's very good. Yeah, not bad at all. And I, I get to wrap up with the Minnesota Twins. And Don't you know? This is, this is kind of fun uh, because they have a combined on their coaching staff – 10 years of big league experience. Seven of them belong to Rocco Baldelli, the manager. <laughs> yeah. So this is not an experience, not a big league experience uh, coaching staff. Uh, Rocco Baldelli, though, solid ball player, one of the great names, you know. Uh, hey, Rocco, you got to love it. Rocco Baldelli just rolls off the Italian tongue there, pal. Uh, 10.2 career war. His ops is uh, 766, so not bad. Hit 60 career home runs over seven years. I remember Rocco being a, a pretty good ball player. and uh, He was very highly touted, but he had some health problems. He did. That really, it drained his energy, and he just couldn't, he couldn't play at his potential, and it really was unfortunate because, yeah, he was very highly regarded. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he has surrounded himself with uh, James Rosen, the hitting coach, Wes Johnson, the pitching coach, and Tony Diaz, his third base coach, who have no big league experience whatsoever. And, of course, the, the great veteran first base coach, Tommy Watkins, who played one year, nine games, in the big leagues for Minnesota. So Rocco really, you know, it, it, Jeremy Hefner, uh, assistant pitching coach, did play for two years and pitched 36 games. Jeremy Hefner, we don't know if he's related to Dave Hebner. Or, wait a minute, that's completely wrong. Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> since it's a different name, I'm going to go with no. Um, that was my Hefner, first clue. Two years, 36 total games, and uh, a war of negative 0.9, giving, like I said, the Twins with 10 years of big league experience and a career war of uh, 9.7. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> there was some slim pickings for that yeah, wild card. Yeah, slim. On, on the Twins, yeah. So I think... I think for me in the National League Central, uh, let's take a look here at the at the at the full numbers. Uh, pretty even between the Brewers, the Cubs, and the Cardinals. Everybody is right around that mid thirty to forty range, but it looks like the Cardinals have it. Willie McGee really, w- Willie McGee and Mike Maddox alone won the AL Central. Yeah. Um, Looking at, or I'm sorry, the NL Central. Looking at the AL Central, uh, if I can get my mouse back over the spreadsheet here, uh, it's pretty slim pickings. Uh, not yeah, a lot. The, Everybody's in that kind of boy. Well, I mean, the, the White Indians Sox was about a 16 war, but everybody else, the like a good pitching staff balanced out a bad hitting staff. So, yeah, yeah everybody uh, well, else is around 10, except for the White Sox. That's just right. at 3.9. Right. So, yeah, yeah so. as you say, slim pickings in the central. Slim pickings. So next week we'll wrap this up with the East, uh, the American League East and, and National League East, where we have got one really fun team that I'm excited about. It has been discussed that maybe we would do this also for team broadcasters. I think that would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. Absolutely. All right. So, Mark, it is now time for the final segment of our show, uh, one of our most popular segments as well. It's time for Wax Packs heroes we had a game changer last week i pulled uh, out an old beckett's from 1992 so every card almost that we pick has some sort of value which makes it a lot more fun than tying at zero uh, you know (laughs) every game as we were doing there at the uh at one point i have got in my hands now a little bit of a uh a, a change up this time we don't have two same you know two like packs here i've got a Flare 91 Ultra, and I have got a 1988 Flare, just a regular pack. Now, the caveat here being the Flare Ultras look a lot better, but they're only 14 in the pack. Well, the regular 88 Flare has 15 cards. All right, so uh, I've got one in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like? Right hand, please. All right, you got the Ultra. Oh, there you go. That, see, that just shows that this is not rigged, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Not rigged. Flare Ultra. Now, Flare Ultra, a common in Flare Ultra, has it listed as two cents here, but we just 
we list all commons as one cent just to keep it kind of as level as we can. You can hear that sweet, sweet pack being opened. Mm -hmm. All right, so you've got a sticker, first of all. You've, oh, you've got a Philly sticker. And this is the nice, like that old purple, the P with the ball in the middle. Oh, yeah. That, a classic. Like that right. Yeah, Not that's a, a good nice. All right, so you're going to start off with a ultra checklist. We love checklists. Gotta love now, them. I just want to see. Worth any money? No. No. Starting off, Eric Anthony, Astros outfielder. Oh, man, I had high hopes for that guy. Yeah, I, I, he kind of looked like he was going to be a stud. Like he had power, he had some speed, and he yeah. had a pretty good arm. Yeah, but he was, yeah, didn't really. He didn't pan out, lot. but boy, did he have a. He was sure a good card to collect for a while. Uh, next, we've got former Major League Manager Ozzie Guillen in his White Sox uniform. And that's a great picture. He's swinging, and it is at Old Comiskey. They've got uh, an older uniform on. I, I loved Old Comiskey. Um, I can see the, all the yellow bars from the, the box seats behind it. But yeah. That card is worth absolutely nothing. Cool. Uh, here's somebody that we talked about, I think it was last episode, maybe two episodes ago, Steve Avery. Oh, sure. This is his rookie card. Solid, and now this is a card solid picture for, uh... Uh, for the Braves. Huh? Uh, this is card number one. So that that's telling you something here. He was a very, very highly touted prospect. This is his rookie card, and they gave him card number one. Let's see how many millions of dollars this is worth. Whoa. This could be huge. <laughs> well, you might have just won. <laughs> <laughs> At this time, uh, in uh, 1992, is worth $1.25. Woo! Holy that smokes. right there is, is like a, a lead-off grand slam. It's so impressive. <laughs> that's nice that 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 yeah. helps i i figured being card number one i figured that was going to be a good card uh next we've got felix Fermin, indians shortstop uh, kind of an average player and that's mm. common uh here's your boy andre dawson cubs outfielder 1986 uh mvp he is for a last place team worth number uh, worth seven cents all right next greg olson pitcher for the orioles remember greg i don't remember was he a starter nope this was when he was a closer uh card oh, number sure. 21 but that is a common uh hall of famer barry larkin shortstop oh, yeah another friend of the show that is worth five cents you're you're doing pretty good here it's a pretty good pack uh Neff, jeff reardon in a red Sox uniform uh that is another a common closer. Cal Daniels in a Dodgers uniform. I remember him as a Red more than anybody. I remember Cal Daniels as both a Reds and a Dodgers player. Absolutely. Not a whole lot of value there. Mike Henneman, Tigers pitcher, 123. He is a common. Mark Portugal. Mark He's, Portugal. He is yes. in mid-pitch here, and he looks scared to death. Uh, scared to death because he is considered a common. Yes. Uh, final two cards for you. We've got Juan Samuel with the Dodgers. Oh, so after uh, the Phillies. Yeah, I rem yeah, Phillies is definitely where I remember Juan Samuel. And we got a really cool Bill Spires card. Uh, just listed as an infielder for the Brewers. Uh, that is a common, but the picture is awesome. He is either at second or short this day, and he is about two feet above second base jumping up, and somebody for the Indians, and I can't tell who it is, his last name ends with an S, is just <laughs> in the air trying to tackle him. It would, <laughs> the with the with the rules today, that would not be allowed, but that is a great looking card, though. Well, right on, I did all right there. That may have been my best pack yet. Okay, so that, yeah, I think it was. That uh, checklist does count as one of your cards, so... Uh, let's see, how many cards did I say was in there? Okay, so 14. So you get 11 cents for your commons. So let's see, that would be 146. That is not a bad total for you. It sure beats the zeros I was scoring weekly. Yes. <laughs> All right, so since you got that one, I am going to be rocking the 88 
Flare. So here we go. These are some ugly cards. The uh, 88 Flare with the white background and the kind of red and blue stripe bars across it. All right, starting off very strong, Guy Hoffman, pitcher for the Reds. Never I can't compete with that. Yeah, me neither. I'm going to look him up, though, because I was I, I rescored all of our guests that have been on, where we open pack with, packs with them. I rescored them with this 1992 Beckett, and people like Ed Zosky were worth like six cents. So I've just started looking up everybody, because if Ed Zosky is worth anything, clearly something is, is happening. <laughs> Okay, but Guy Hoffman, nothing. Okay. Next, we've got Dwayne Ward, pitcher for the Blue Jays. He pitched forever for the Blue Jays, if I remember correctly. Um, and he is worth a four cents. There you go. So, see? There we go. <laughs> Here's our buddy, Jerry Gleaton. He he dropped the Don from, uh, from it, you know, Jerry Don Gleaton. Right, right. But uh, there he is, still looking 503 years old worth nothing here's a hall of famer ozzy smith shortstop for the cardinals Let's see what that that's got to be worth something 15 cents i'm it's, chipping away but yeah that, that steve avery is going to be hard to match do you remember joe sambito sure absolutely good relief you pitcher. Do? absolutely <laughs> oh wow i i do not remember him at all but yeah he's a reliever for the red sox yep uh nothing there oh here we go pasquale perez and that jerry curl, that is a Ooh. good look. Yeah, baby. But that is, of course, common. John Farrell, pitcher for the Indians, who went on to be a manager, didn't he? I believe so. Uh, he is a common. Mickey Hatcher with the uh, Dodgers, where he had a good, uh, some good postseason numbers. He was on uh, the Dodgers. These are all commons, though. Not doing so hot. Juan Castillo, infielder for the Brewers. Nothing there. Ted Simmons, first baseman for the Braves. I'm going to guess there is nothing there. Don Ossie. Now, this is a great card. First, his name is spelled A-A-S-E. And he has got a mustache that looks like he's not shaved it for a couple of years, but nor has he groomed it for a couple of years. <laughs> but that card, nonetheless, is not worth anything. Phil Bradley, outfielder for the Mariners. There sure, you go. Sure. 369. He's got some nice uh, nice sweatbands. He's got those sweatbands, remember, when they used to be big and they had a, like a caricature picture of you and then your autograph on them? Oh, yeah. I remember that. I thought those were only for like big superstar players, but apparently oh, Phil Bradley God. had one. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Lindemann, outfielder for the Cardinals. I remember that name. Not worth anything. Tom Brookins, infielder for the Tigers, I'm pretty sure that's not worth anything. But the final card in my pack is one Mr. Nolan Ryan. <laughs> there you go. You win. Looking stoically off to the left of the camera. Let's see. I don't think it's going to be worth $1.25, but that's got to be worth something. Uh, card number 455, and that is worth $0.75. Cents. Woo, hey, you know what? My boy scored for you there. Yeah, that was clearly the best card. So everything, so I got 12 cents worth of commons. Putting my Washington State education here, let's see, that would be $1.06 compared to your $1.46. Wow. So you beat me by 40 cents, sir. Steve Avery with the victory. Yeah, Steve Avery with the complete game victory. And with that, you now take over the lead. You've won the last three uh, three times that we've played here, you're wow. now up four to three. Very nice. Wow. Nice. There I had go. no idea. And now Steve now Avery is your favorite uh, pitcher of That's all time. That's right. God bless Steve it, Avery. It's now announced to you. It was it was unbeknownst. unbeknownst before. Now it's announced. All right. So that is another edition of Wax Packs Heroes. That's a lot of fun to look through those cards. As always, look in the show notes. Uh, I've got a link to Cards for Kids where you can send all of your common cards. I am getting ready to... Actually, I've got these in a box now. I'm going to... Maybe I'll keep the Nolan Ryan and the Steve Avery card just for you. But there you go. the rest of those can uh, can go in the box, and we will send those off here to uh, some kids. Uh, hopefully get them interested in baseball and collecting cards. 
Right on. Like to remind everybody a couple of things you can do to help the show. First of all, if you enjoy this show, please tell a friend. Post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Tell everybody what a great time you had here today. And if you would like to join us on uh, any of these social medias, we can be found at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Please feel free to rate and review us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Mark, uh, we have got one more episode of these uh, managers and players and their career numbers. Do you think you can make it to to talk about that? I'm I'm pretty positive that uh, I you know having two uh, divisions now uh, in my past that I can pull off a third one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll bring it home next week or uh, the week after that. I'm not sure. We we might have something else coming up next week, but uh, we will get to those. But until then, I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode, and we will see you next week on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thanks, y'all. God bless you. Have a great day.